How is racism defeated? My name is Johan. My name is Guy. I'm Sikelego in Sokota, but I go by Sky. My name is Hope. Hey, everybody. Hello, Hope. And Sky. Hey, guys. Hey, Dwella. Hey. hey, guys. Hey. So today we're going to have a conversation with a lady called Dwella Mabusela. She has an aspiring and highly motivated young woman who is a committed student of psychology. She readily assimilates herself with any challenge that is presented to her. Her educational background is a bachelor's degree in social work from the University of Forte, a bachelor of social sciences degree honors in psychology, a master's in counseling psychology. She has previously worked as a social worker um, doing social development, and she is currently a registered counseling psychologist who lectures at the Northwest University in the Potchefstroom campus. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our show, Develoma Bucela. Yay! Yes. <laughs> I almost met Develo. I almost had the pleasure of knowing. <laughs> almost. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah. Almost. No, um, a friend of mine, Pearl from um, Alwal North, gave me her number. And when I was coming to see you, um, Johan, remember when we were talking the first time we met for this meeting for to talk yes. about the shades of human yes. yes, on my way um, to you, I was supposed to see her, but she was busy. So she, I only got her like after I saw you and I was already on my way to the Eastern Cape. So I missed her briefly, like oh, briefly uh, missed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was probably time. busy working yeah, on that uh, CV. So I think to start off, I don't want to guide the conversation too much um, but in a conversation about racism South Africa and uh, ask the people of South Africa what what are some of your thoughts Tabelo? My internet decided to reject me uh, to throw me off um, for that first few minutes. So, okay but you will get the recording right? No that's the thing um, when it threw me off I only got like the first minute so can we maybe, um, can we just maybe just re, uh, not, not restart, but just um, give some context of, of, of where you were, um, what you were discussing now, just to also catch me up on, on where you were. You can just, just briefly, I think that will bring us back again. Okay, Hope. You spoke about um, your experiences, like growing up. Uh, briefly mentioned that and um, to me it, it, it sounded um, like you were saying that it has not uh, that the change hasn't been so much in the environment more than it is in how you handled it um, how you yeah. yourself. Uh, yeah uh, what else hope um, she also mentioned that um, I don't know if Johan was still there but that racism is obviously experienced differently because we all subjective and we all mm -hmm. perceive it a different way um, so she feels like to a certain degree, you know, there's been moments where she's had to behave or alter her behavior, you know, to kind of not fully be herself in different spaces due to the color of her skin. Yes. And I, and I wanted to, um, sorry, uh, did you get that? Your yes, yes. Thank you for that. I'm sorry, I just wanted to um, have a follow-up question um, with regards to you mentioning the management um, of it. Would you say then that uh, you, you feel that um, it is still almost the same as when you were growing up as it is now, you know, uh, taking into context that you mentioned that you're 30. And um, so I'm going to assume that was 20 years ago when you were growing up, around 20 years ago. So would you say in the space of the 20 years that um, you, you perceived it as um, having not changed? Okay, um, thinking about it now, if I would um, go back to 20 or 1918, um, it was more a context of where you are protected a lot, right? So where you experience people who are the same as you, people who have the same struggles as you, people who have the same resources as you, um, mm. same background, same language and all of that. So you grow up like that and you get used to that context, right? Mm. Um, so that's, that's how I've encountered it. You find people who've encountered it at a young age. So I was kind of like protected from it uh, because mm. of 
being in one place with the same people who have the same background, who have the same language and all of that. So growing up um, around 20s, late 20s, that's where you start seeing that you are, you are different. And I, I don't believe that I just started seeing that I'm different, but it's, it's how the context is handling, you understand it. It's, it's how people would talk to you, how, um, you know, coming back from like this friendly Ubuntu type of context. And when you get to a different context, it, it's no longer like that. It, it, it's totally different. So I think then, um, why am I saying you manage it differently? Then in those years, you start understanding how the world is actually, because now you start seeing different people. Uh, not because, not only because of color, color is actually the major one, but not because of color, uh, but because of how you speak and how you, you how you approach things because of your experiences and your perceptions and all of that. Um, so you start seeing that and you start doubting yourself as well. So I'm talking about me, right? Um, so you start doubting yourself, you start doubting the way of being, you start doubting the way of doing, obviously that you come from because now you are shown that it is not the right way of doing, right? So I think as, as you grow up, getting into my thirties, I started trying to like structure it, you understand? So now I understand that it's not about me, but it's about the next person and how they view me. But that's actually none of my business. It's about me viewing myself the way that I want to and how I've grown up. So I don't understand. I don't. I don't know if you understand what I mean. Um, so yes. So growing up, you sheltered because of where you come from, and it's because everyone is the same, and we have the same beliefs, same cultures, same goals, and everything like that. You grow up, you go out of that context, you meet different people who will show you that you are different, or you will see yourself as different. Only then you start um, having an internal type of conflict with yourself, but at some point you manage it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I'm actually wondering, now that we, you're on the point of, you know, growing up, the sameness, the same, you know, beliefs, norms, and all of that, I'm actually wondering and asking myself that what, what were the conversations, you know, in your family, but also in your um, in your community. So with these people that you had shared norms, beliefs, you know, and all the cultural practices and so on, what were the conversations that were had about racism? So while you are still in the sameness situation? Yes, um, not a lot. I don't want to lie. Uh, we didn't have a lot of, of those discussions. Uh, I think specifically because people can't define what racism is and um so we don't get to have those conversations because we can't clearly say this is racist or we can't clearly um or let's say let's talk about our parents they can't they don't understand it it was not educated to them or they were not informed of what racism is exactly. So they found it difficult to actually explain it to their kids, right? Mm. So growing up, um, I grew up uh, with educated parents. My, my mom was a nurse and my dad was actually working for correctional services. So they, if, when I'm saying educated, they were more, they were informed right? Not because they finished their grade 12, whatever, but they were informed. But we never had, um, we never got a chance uh, in the 15 years that I had with them. So they passed on when I was 15, both of them. So in the 15 years of having them, we have, we never had that, you know, that, that, that um, educational process where we'll talk about what racism is. But your context kind of like shapes you because you understand that I am different from your hand because of the color of my skin, you understand? Yeah. I think you understand it by the way older people in town would treat white people or yeah. older people in town would treat colored people. You see that there's a difference and there are certain things that you must not say 
or there are certain things that you must not do in front of certain people. Um, so that's 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 how it was growing up. And you, you, there were no conversations about, oh, it was actually not labeled as racism. It was just that you are different from this person and therefore just stay in your own territory type of situation. You know, topics like racism, they actually kind of, I think they are uncomfortable for parents to discuss, um, specifically because they bring a lot of violence and a lot of conflict, a lot of hatred and discomfort, right? So knowing the type of my parents, like the type of parents that I had, um, they were very protective. And um, so I think for them specifically, it was because they wanted to protect you from the hurt or they wanted to protect me from violence or hatred. They didn't want me to hate anyone in any way. So you'd find it was not only even topics of racism at home that, um, that we didn't talk about, but for instance, um, Christianity versus ancestors. See, I, I, would, I would have a conversation with my parents about that because there were family members that would believe in, in, in Christ and family members who mostly believed in ancestors. So then you would have those questions uh, and, 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 and conversations with your parents where they would just shut down because I think because they want to protect you. Uh, so if I, were, if I were now have to tell them what they did to me is you deprived me from information. And probably that's the way they wanted to protect me. That's the way, that's the only way they knew how. Um, obviously, when you are a parent, parenting doesn't come with a manual. I think we now know this. Uh, so I think it was mainly because of protection, protection from violence, protection from hatred. My mother specifically never wanted me to hate anyone. So she was always this helpful person in the community. So I think she, she, she always wanted us to help out. Um, you are not different from the next person. You are the same. Uh, you're not in, you're not superior from the next person because they have certain things. You are always the same. The most important thing is to have Ubuntu and just give. So she was that type of a person. So I think it was just protection and just be the human that I'm teaching you to be right now. So it was not at the time, let us not have this conversation or ignorance. I think they knew of the hatred. They were just protecting us against it. Yeah. And it is there something phenomenal to me in that um, because surely they have had either very real experiences or um, heard very real experiences of very unfair treatment and violence and they experienced um, discrimination and, and they must have felt their own side of it and for them to say but let's, let's transfer to you the values of, of love um, you know, values mm. of Ubuntu, values of doing good, rather than um, rather than pointing fingers to a common enemy and, and getting used to hate that enemy with them. And, you know, that's 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 a remarkable almost. I don't know if it's a switch or what it is. You know, that that your mom made, but but that is something that I believe exists and it's so valuable. And you know, it's something that I'm trying to understand more. Is how how did how did she do that? How did she teach you something different mm. to what she experienced? No, Johan, uh, I think the question that it, it is re remarkable, uh, but the question would be, did she do right? Or did, did both my parents do right in not preparing, yeah. I think? Uh, because you know, you know how it's, it's not okay for you as a parent uh, to, to teach your child a certain way of being but there's an outside that she's going to go through. Do you understand what I mean? So if I could go back and tap into what I previously said, I was protected because of the community and because of the love and because of the, comf the comfort and what she or he wanted me to be, which was good, right? But when I went out into the community, I saw different. And I, I feel like if maybe you prepared me, 
that there are people who see different. There are people who hate you for this, the, for the color of your skin and not because you did anything, but because of the color of your skin, you know, or because you speak a specific way or because you, whatever. But if, 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 she, if she tried or, or if my dad tried to say, listen, yes, we, we are now instilling love. We want you to be this type of person but be aware of the certain things that are happening around you as well. So that when you get there, it doesn't become a thing of, I'm trying to survive, like I'm survival of the fetus type of mm -hmm. thing. I'm trying to survive and here's, here's a situation I just need to survive. So yeah. I think they, they also had, um, I think they had the responsibility as parents to teach us those differences. Uh, this is what I was saying, Johan, about, you know, we find it difficult to have those difficult conversations because our parents didn't have those difficult conversations with us. Yeah. So do, do you feel um, by, by, by maybe teaching children, you know, about racism that you are equipping them into the world that they will later go into? Yes, uh, that's my subjective uh, thinking because of my own experience. I think, uh, I think, if I were to say, for instance, you guys ask me now, so where, where to from now, right? Yeah. And yeah. I were to say, we have to have those difficult conversations as uncomfortable as they are. If I were to say that, but then now if we've shielded from those conversations, how do we even start having those conversations? If our parents didn't have those conversations with us, how do I even open up to having those conversations? understand what I mean so what I'm what I'm basically saying that it's a generational thing if you protect your kid from harm from an early an early age when she goes out to the wild world then she is going to struggle so I would basically say if you're having those difficult conversations with your child at a small age and you know trying to open their minds up to to, to different conversations out there, then it would be easy for the child to actually have those conversations as an adult. Mm. Would you say um, that you have changed the pattern with your son? And if so, how are you doing that? And what educated you, like you're saying, you never got that, but obviously, you know, we want different stuff for our kids because we are more informed, you know, um, in certain instances from our parents. So have you changed the cycle with your son? And if so, what informed you? And how did you get the, you know, where did you get the resources in terms of, because it's something that you were not exposed to. How do I have this conversation with my son? Yes, so my son is two. <laughs> oh, so I can't have, <laughs> I can't have those conversations with him yet, right? Mm. And, um, I'm still finding myself, educating myself about what mm. is racism first before I have those conversations with him because I don't want him, I don't want to have a conversation with him or I don't want to have it in a, in a harmful way uh, because mm. obviously I don't want him to hate but I want him to understand how the world is and how it, how, how, how it is and how it operates. And at this point, he's, he is at a school, at a daycare, where everyone who's different is around him. And, you know, he will see it for himself. He will see that, oh, okay, so we're different because of this. Maybe the way that they do things at school. Um, mm. Maybe because of other kids telling him that, no, we are different, uh, which, is, which is what happens a lot. You see because people teach you a certain way, then you see that. Um, for instance, let's say you didn't know that you were fat until someone tells you that you're fat. <laughs> uh, that's just like a silly example. But uh, so he is there, he is in a different context, which is good, where he will ex be exposed to different languages, different faces, different colors, different backgrounds, and all of that. So it starts with that. It starts with the context that you put your child in. It needs to be that flexible context that can actually allow for such conversations. And then only when he starts understanding or only when he is um, cognitively inclined, I can only talk to him about what he thinks 
about uh, about the differences between color, what he thinks about the differences between languages and backgrounds and cultures and everything like that. And then we can take it from there. But I first want to educate myself more about racism. It is a very complex, I think you guys might agree, a very complex topic to have. A lot of people are running away from having it because they are so afraid to even say something wrong. At times you feel so uncomfortable to even say racist or racism. Um, so I want to educate myself and I want to see where I stand in that, in, in, in the stories of racism. How do I define it? How do I define it to myself so that I can actually teach my child, right? Mm. So I think I still have time to develop that so that I can teach. But the main thing I want him to know is that this is how the world is. But I don't want, I want, I don't want to do it in a sense where he will hate on other people and he will feel indifferent in any way that will make him not be confident in who he is. Mm. Not sure if you understand what I mean. No, you mentioned uh, quite a few times um, something to me that sounded like colorism, which is um, the yeah, the discrimination amongst even the yellow people, you know, or the black people or the white people, you know, depending on the shade of color that you have, you know, would you say that has also now on top of the discrimination against being black also played a role for you maybe? Yes, I think I definitely think so. I definitely think so. I we live in a, in a, in a community actually where you can't just be yourself. It is difficult to be who you are. So you will constantly try and be a different self, right? And it's, it's, it's because of the, you know, the slight discriminations of, of, of how you express yourself different from other people. Um, it can be where you come from that other people is not coming from. Um, so that you know, being treated differently, but um, by the the same people. Let's say, for instance, by the same Kosa people or the same Sutu people, being treated differently, it actually it, it does play a very major role in 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 how I've now decided to manage the discrimination mm. from people. Mm. But what would you say um, are some of the things that, uh, that, 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 that South Africa or communities or the different races are doing better, you know, something that you can comment over the years, you know, that you've seen the discrimination, uh, but then there is these little things, you know, that you can say, hmm, but, you know, I think we've improved mm. on this, you know, and improved on that. Okay, so for instance, firstly, you guys are doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, you know you you are okay to have and and normally we would say it's a difficult conversation to have but it's because you are courageous and you're doing it you have you're having the conversation you are, you are inviting people who are relevant to have these talks so you find that um, even if it's small change but you see people having these conversations and not that they were not had previously and in previous uh, generations, but I think what I would say that we are doing is more and more people are being open. I think it's, it's the little conversations that we are having everywhere that matters. I don't think it has to happen in, in a media platform. I think it's, you know, those conversations that you have over tea with your white friend or with your black friend or with your yellow friend, you know, just having those conversations as uncomfortable as they are sitting there and just asking the question. And, and you know, even if you prepare someone that I'm about to ask this and I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but what do you think? So those small conversations uh, that get people thinking, um, actually, I think that I think that we are doing right. I'm not sure if, uh, there are things that we are now doing that have been done previously, but I think those conversations show that people are now more open um, to understanding each other, 
understanding where they come from, understanding how they think, and to understanding why they perceive specific issues in specific ways, to understand different cultures, you know, and why, why do I cry this way? Why don't I cry that way? I think we're doing that. So is that the area that you think maybe we can grow in, like in future? What, what, what more or what other things should we try maybe, you know, so that we, we can get to a place where um, we, can, we can, the discrimination, you know, can cease or to some point? Mm. Um, yes, I think this is what we can um, highlight going forward. Um, being different is actually not the problem. Being different is actually a good thing, right? Um, so I think instead of us focusing on, you know, you are different and therefore I am superior type of situation. Um, if, if I don't have any resources, maybe for instance, to do something that I want to do and something that I want to explore, maybe you sharing that with me would help, you know? So I think uh, going from, from here for kind of collaborating and sharing resources, uh, and being okay with someone else having what you don't have at some point. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think it's 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 the small things. I think if we, for instance, what you guys did here, the three of you, and having this podcast, you are different people, and you you decided here's an idea. Let's do this. I have a different opinion. You have a different perspective in this. Let's just do it. You know. And it creates a bigger picture of, uh, of beauty. It creates a different picture of, you know, let's share what we have with the rest of the world type of thing. So instead of us uh, being divided and instead of us doing our own thing individually, coming together and collaborating in conversations, coming together and collaborating uh, in something that I feel that I am limited in, but you can help me, help me in, uh, that is something that can take as far as a nation, I think. Going forth, um, yeah, so this, I think, just having, being okay with being different and having those collaborative discussions can actually go a long way because it starts in small, as I say, it starts uh, in small offices, but bigger people uh, who are policy makers, bigger people who, who make the rules and regulations or research on policies can actually also start having those conversations. So it starts with small conversations and collaborating and bringing what you can bring as an individual uh, that can complement the other person and then we can take it from there. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for that. There's something I want to mention um, before I forget now. You know, I thought about it as you were um, speaking now that differences is something that can indeed be celebrated, you know, instead of seeing it as a problem. It can be something, you know, good. It can be something quite beautiful, you know. This is maybe not a very um, appropriate example, but I'm thinking about that Rugby World Cup of, uh, it's almost a year and a half ago now, um, that South Africa won. And the, the two tries that were scored were one, one black South African and one colored South African. You know, and, and it's the first time South Africa scored a try um, in a World Cup. And that was just a, a beautiful example to me to, of, of differences in strengths um, coming together and, and working together effectively. Um, so now I'm, I'm, asked, I'm thinking, you know, why, why is it difficult? Because certainly it's possible, but why is it difficult to see differences and not as threatening, you know, not as you're different, therefore you are wrong and you are bad, you know, because it's different to me. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just a, a loud thought. Why can some people see differences as potentially good? And why do some of us also still struggle with it? I think, um, Johan, I think we, as humans in general, like you are, um, you are made to self-actualize constantly, right? So you always want to be a better person tomorrow. You want to be a different person the next day and all of that. So because we don't have 
resources assisting us to become a better person, or we have limited resources actually assisting us to self-actualize, um, then we are actually a threat. Uh, for instance, the more, the more we are, the less resources we have to survive, basically. So it's, it's inhuman for us to, to feel threatened by that. And therefore, differences, seeing that we, we, we are different, actually is a threat than something good for a lot of people, you see. Uh, so I think people find it difficult, they find it difficult to accept the differences because the moment I accept it, I fear that you're going to excel more than me, right? Or I fear that you are going to be better than me. So that's a human fear that we all have. Um, the competition between us, that's, that's the thing that we have. And it's, it's a great issue. I think it needs to start, it starts, it's, it needs to start or it already have started generations back where people were, were competing because of resources, yeah. uh, where, where people saw themselves better than other people um, because they wanted to be powerful, you know? And so they decided, okay, let's, 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 let's just try and keep where we have to be. So if we are a level beyond the other group, let's keep there uh, because of the resources and because of better life, right? So I think, I think it's a generational thing and we cannot divorce the, the conversation of apartheid. Uh, it's, it's something that is in us, it's engraved in us. And so it is so difficult for us to actually embrace our differences. So difficult to see the narrative of us working or differences working together in order for us to go forward, right? So I think it, it needs to, it, it actually needs to start, to start now. I think that's why I was saying it needs to start with us and how we approach our kids. It needs to start with us and how we develop curriculums. Uh, in universities, in high schools, in primary schools. It needs to start with us actually equipping ourselves uh, in order for us to actually educate the next generation and in order for us to decolonize a lot of things. For instance, um, for psychology, now that I'm working at a private practice, I start to see that the way that we were taught like the, the Western ways, obviously the theorists are from the Western. Uh, so the Western ways we are taught of how people think and how people behave is totally different from how it's happening here in South Africa. You sit with a person who has so many problems and who has so many crises that an hour, so this is just an example, that an hour is not enough for that person to say something to you. Uh, or, or to tell you your problems. So we sit with a system that is okay with only paying an hour for a person to say what their problems are. And you find that a lot of people are okay with that. I find that a lot of people are not okay with it because an hour is not enough for me to tell you my crisis. Why is that? Because our crises are not the same. Uh, so, Psychology from where it is from the Western is totally different from the Africa, it's totally different from South Africa. So what we need to start doing as psychologists as well is to understand the psyche of South Africans, is to understand how people think, how people behave in South Africa and how you can then intervene, how you can then treat people in South Africa in this specific context. So I think that is just, that is just one of uh, but there are a lot of rules, there are a lot of policies, there are a lot of things that needs to start happening, that needs to start changing uh, for real change to start, uh, to start happening. But unfortunately, that is not happening at this point. This, the, thing is, the thing that I'm saying that is happening is the fact that people are now having those small conversations and it starts with that small change. I hope that I've answered your question, Johan. I'm sorry oh, for you, just you, going you, on. Yeah. <laughs> You've more than answered it. You've given me a, a lot more to, so, so, to think about. Sorry, Scott, yes? Yeah, no, I was just going to say this. 
Uh, maybe as she finishes off, she mentioned that um, the apartheid era, the discrimination era that was engraved in us. So then through all these things that you've mentioned, do you believe that maybe it can be unengraved in our children? Oh, okay. I think I actually I actually don't I don't know where to start because apartheid uh, was there to inflict a lot of fear, right? Uh, for so many years. Uh, for me personally, I would say it has inflicted so much fear that it still affects us in 2001, right? So it happened years ago, but it still affects us in 2001. Um, that's why you find our confidence, maybe let's say my confidence as a black young woman is always so threatened because you're constantly wondering, am I doing something right? Because you are constantly told that you, you, you can't do things right. Um, you constantly thought that you are inferior in a sense. Uh, so, so the fear of being who I know that I can be, the fear of being myself, I think it's so deep within me and in generations before me that we need to start, I don't know, I don't know how you guys can think about it, but we need to start doing things. We need to, we need to start having the conversation, uh, the difficult conversations with people who actually don't want to even have those difficult conversations with us. So I know I, I talked to, to, to uh, Prof, no, to Dr. Orstazen, and she's in, she likes to have talks about reconciling, right? Um, but my question I would always ask is, what does the reconciling look, look like? Um, how can I reconcile if I have so much fear that is engraved within me? And, you know, past generations have in great, how, how can you take the fear that I have now away? How can I start afresh now? Understand? So I don't, I also don't know. I also don't know where to start. I, I actually don't know how to not instill that fear in my child now, because I still have that. That's why I was telling you guys that I need to understand what racism is. I need to understand where it comes from. I need to understand how I can, is how I can kind of like uninstill it uh, in a way that will be constructive for my child. Then I stand. So I think, yeah, mm. sure. I think it starts with our conversations, the conversations that we are having now. It starts mm. with those conversations. It starts with us having friends that are different and them being okay with listening to me when I say that I fear being myself, you know, because I was told that it was you who mm. made me fear being myself. Having those conversations without you feeling bad about it. Or if you feel bad about it, then you tell me, okay, I feel bad about that. But yeah, being okay yeah. with that, being in a safe space of having such conversations. So, uh, so Sky, I'm I'm seriously not sure where to where where we can start mm. and instilling those things uh, in our children. I'm I'm just not sure. Whereas we are still there. Mm. I like what you said that because you're also highlighting the aspect of trauma. Because when we, if we be yes. honest, there is a mm. line trauma, generational trauma that's that has passed down you know, from back in the day, in about date times, um, until mm. now, you know, even when it wasn't, even when it wasn't like verbally said in, in, in your household as a black individual that, you know what, you are, you will be considered less than, but because trauma is generationally passed, that's how, like what you said, that's how you kind of feel, you know, and I think a lot of people, a lot of black people feel like that and wouldn't even be able to point out that, you know, this person literally said to me, I am best than this other individual of a different race. You know, it's not even mm -hmm. about said, but it's the fact that trauma has been passed down 
generations and you end up perceiving yourself as best that exactly hope so you you actually put it very nice when you talk about the generational trauma and just to add add on to that is that a lot of people actually don't even know that they're traumatized they think everything that's going on with them um having the low self-esteem you know not liking how i look or not liking who i am and i would prefer to be someone else they think it's something that that just happens uh, but those those are just those small elements of that generational trauma. And how would you, as a psychologist, work with someone who doesn't even know that they're traumatized? Where would you start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you become so desensitized because that's how you've been living. That's in a way of life. You've always felt like that. You know, you've always erased yourself as an individual in terms of the actions that you spoke about. You had to kind of dim down but you also erased your voice you know I've had a couple of conversations with my black friends in the workspace where they've spoken about experiences where when they enter the room you first feel like I don't deserve to be in this room um, and then alter your behavior but then the second thing is you know you also you, you also kind of erase your, your not just yourself visually in the space because you don't want to say anything wrong or feel like you're not um, on par and being according to the standard that is in that room, you know, but also the second thing, the erasure of the voice. And when you raise your voice, you know, we all know that you erase your opinion, you know, and you also erase who you are because from what you say, you're able to be a part of who you are and understand who you are, um, which, is, which is quite sad because every experience is important in every single space, mm-hmm. no matter what space you are. Can I also want to uh, just tie some things together? When you mentioned now, how how does reconciliation actually look like? Um, you know, that makes sense to me because we can't just stop an experience. We can't just deny trauma that has been coming through generations. You know, we can't expect that to suddenly disappear and just move on from that. So, you know, I imagine that it will take something of an expression from the side of a black person and then also from the side of another person, you know, let's take the white person now to actually listen um, and listen to understand and to accept without, um, you know, going on the defense and denying um, an experience to say, you know, it it can't be like that, it wasn't uh, that bad. And from there, maybe a new type of relationship can start to be written, you know, not something that denies what happened, but something that goes on and includes that in the story um, and from there explore different ways of, of interacting. And I say that keeping in mind our own relationship, um, Hope, Hope and Sky, because um, I think Sky mentioned it once, you know, imagine us getting into a class together for the first time and now Sky and Hope may f- have some of those self-definitions, you know, some of that you know, how much do I feel inferior compared to this white guy? You know, you, you said you experienced me as intimidating, um, you know, before you got to know me. And through our relationship, you got to know, but actually, I don't see you as inferior. Actually, I see all of these strengths in you and, and I have all of this respect um, of you. And from there, it, you know, you can start to write a new, um, you know, a secondary identity through how you experience I, I see you. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but that's in a way that's how I see it. Mm. Yes, just to just to add to what you're saying about reconciliation and you know having those conversations. I think what is important in having a conversation, Johan, uh, is we understand that both parties have emotions. We understand that their experiences are valid, right? Um, so let's say, for instance, we, we, we advise people to now have these conversations. How do they go about having the conversations? And uh, these conversations would include us, right? Both sides, actually, taking the emotions aside. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we don't validate your emotions. It doesn't mean that we undermine your experiences. but in order for us to have those open conversations, you have to put your emotions aside, right? You need to park them somewhere. 
and we will validate them later on. Uh, but in order for us to have those open um, uh, conversations and for us to reach common ground and for us to start having new narratives, we actually have to take the emotions aside and talk. Because the moment I come in with my emotions, the moment you say something, I'm definitely going to be offensive or defensive, mm, I'm sorry. Defensive. Yes, def defensive, because the moment you are now saying, for instance, um, what example can I use? Okay, no, I, I cannot come up with an example. Uh, but but the moment you come up with the moment you come with emotions in a conversation, whatever conversation that you have, uh, now we're talking about racism, but whatever conversation that you have with your mother, with your dad, with your siblings, or whatever, and you want to have a very constructive conversation, take the emotions aside, talk about them. Like, can we please take the emotions, put them aside? Let's face each other now. We need to reach a common ground. You need to understand that you hurt me in this way. And you need to understand you are continuously hurting me in this way. Do you understand? And then you also say, okay, fine, I understand you, but your perception of me is not what you think it is. And the moment we, we park those emotions, it will be less defensive type of conversations that we will have. And then it will be easier to actually pinpoint um, you know, those differences, it will be easier to build from uh, those differences as well and to collaborate and have new uh, conversations and have new solutions to the problem at hand, right? And Johanna, I actually have a question for you as well. So um, we, we I, I as a Black woman, I have my own, you know, um, talking about generational trauma and I have my own narratives, obviously, of a white man. Let's make an example, you know, how, how I should maybe behave around white people and all of that, right? Do you have narratives of how you should behave around Black people? Mm. If I may ask, generational, generational yeah. narratives. I think... It should exist absolutely, and, and much of it's probably subconscious. Um, and I find, for me personally, it's almost like I feel I want to reverse what I feel was wrong. So I want to, um, you know, I want to make sure that I don't come in and and dominate someone. I don't come in and um, disregard someone. So I will try maybe to overcompensate and and try to okay let me let me listen now let me let me take a step back mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah so i think that's for me that that's how i experience now um, if i think about when i specifically when i'm aware of um, i have an encounter now with a black woman i, I think i'd rather be overly careful because i want to yes. yeah because i'm aware um, that i don't want to be um, what people before me was and, and caused that, mm -hmm. same damage, that same damage. So can you see, like, I understand what you're saying. Can you see how bad that is as well? <laughs> yeah, how much that can um, stand in the way of me being comfortable and being myself because I'm now overly careful, overly careful, yeah. Yes. How, how much it's, it's, it's then difficult to actually have a conversation with me because you need to be careful uh, because you don't want to step on toes. So these are like, these are sensitive issues that we are dealing with. And um, if you and me are having this conversation and we decide, let's, let's take our emotions, let's discuss the emotions first. So I feel this and this about this and let's just park them somewhere. Let's talk about this thing. You understand, as, as, as uncomfortable as I am, let's put our defenses down because you are overly compensating. At some point, the way that you're trying to cope around black people, the way that I'm trying to cope around white people, it becomes like an unhealthy type of coping. And then we start pretending around each other. So, we need to have conversations that are facilitated in that sense that 
we don't want to, we're actually not having these conversations because we want to pinpoint who is wrong and who is right. And, you know, you didn't, um, you didn't consider my feelings or whatever. It's not about that. It's actually about making life better for the generations to come. And how can we have those facilitated, okay, and safe space type of conversations without us coming in with the defenses either way? Yeah, right. It, it's so you know it's so valuable. It's it's like a conversation with a different um, a different aim, you know, a different objective, and also a different vibe, if I can say that. It's not, you know, normally it feels like, or automatically a conversation can become, this is what I think, and I think I'm right, and the other person mm. is like, no, this is what I think, and I think I am right, and you know that that can then lead to defense and lead to conflict. But this is a different type of conversation where one comes in and says, I want to hear your experience. You know, I want to hear you. you know, it's not a whether I can agree or disagree with you or, or um, show that you're right or wrong. It's I want to hear so that I can validate and, you know, other way around as well. I, I want to hear so that I can understand. And I think in that safe space, then I can be allowed to let go of my defenses and start to consider, but what am I actually doing? Like you did now with me, it wasn't necessary for me to be defensive. So I could actually consider, but I'm overcompensating, you know? That, that was the, the safe conversational space that, that led to that, okay, we're not here in an argument, we're here to actually see what is your experience. Yes, definitely. And that was so powerful, Derelo, just as we're closing off, um, that was so powerful what you said there, you know? in terms of the overcompensation from your hand side as a white individual, because I'm now sitting and thinking, you know, how, like he said, he's always, he, he overcompensates in, in the black space when he's surrounded with black people. And when he was saying that, I actually started remembering and thinking about different events. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so true. Johan is always trying to create space, but that also is unhealthy. So I guess, you know, this conversation once again reminds me that the racism conversation, every single party is important. Every single race is important. And every single one's um, perspective, experiences and emotions are important. And if you want to get to the other side of it, every single party, which is every single race. So thank you for that. Thank you very much, guys. It was actually a very val a valuable conversation to have with you. Um, looking forward to having more conversations. <laughs> <laughs>